All right, this is from the other side. This week we're going to talk about West Virginia, and joining me to do so is Ryan Decker, a broadcast journalism major at West Virginia. Ryan, how are you? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, Ryan, tell me a little bit about what you do to cover the Mountaineers. I <laughs> uh, do a little bit of everything covering the Mountaineers. Uh, I'm the uh, sports director of uh, the student radio station here at WVU. Uh, our call signal is U92 or 91.7, so I'm the sports director there. and We do a uh, football pregame show on Saturdays called the Touchdown City Tailgate. Uh, so I'm on there every Saturday uh, previewing the Mountaineers, and then I also do some football coverage for uh, an outlet in town called West Virginia Illustrated. I've been working with them for this is my third season interning for them now, so do a little bit of everything. So your Twitter handle is now on deck. What is and you it says you're the creator of Now on Deck. So what is Now on Deck? Uh, now on Deck is a uh sports blog that I started. Uh, I guess this is my third year doing that as well. Um kind of a play on words with you know baseball player being on deck. Uh last name is Decker, so just kind of got a little fun with that. But um you know just used it really uh started that when I had a class that made me start a, a WordPress site and it's kind of blossomed into me updating it multiple times a week uh, with just kind of whatever's in season. Baseball season, I'm high into that. Football season, I get into the coverage of that as well, and it's a place where I put, you know, practically everything I, I write. So definitely, uh, you know, if you're interested in WVU stuff, check it out if you don't mind. That's impressive work, man. Uh, I'll say Thank this. You. If you want to get yourself out there, the more you can do, the better the better you're off. Yeah, definitely. So we're going to talk about West Virginia a little bit. Uh, the first thing I've noticed uh, with them is that your uh, starting quarterback, Will Greer, and uh, your top receiver, David Sills, um, are currently number one in passing touchdowns and receiving touchdowns this year. Mm-hmm. Kind of tell me a little bit about you know, their relationship, why they seem to work so well together. It's an interesting relationship because it's two guys that kind of got to school about the same time. You know, obviously a lot of people are aware of the Will Greer story of how he started out at Florida, uh, had had the suspension and then transferred to WVU. David Sills' story, some of it has been told nationally. You know, he was a 13-year-old in 2010 that committed to play quarterback at USC and then uh, decommitted from there, I think, during his senior year of high school, came to WVU with the hopes of playing quarterback. And eventually that year, that was a couple years ago now, uh, the defensive coordinator, actually, Tony Gibson, saw him in practice and said, let's see, let's test this guy out at receiver. Tested him out at the wideout spot, made his first touchdown grab against Baylor. That was, uh, I guess, 2015, that season. Um, had, a, had a nice season the rest of the way, getting a couple catches. Transferred to El Camino College, give it one last go at quarterback, and then came back for this year as a wide receiver, and he's been you know, fantastic. Uh, they seem to just have a really good relationship. You talk to coaches, and they, they, they talk about both both guys, Will and David, talk about their football IQ. Uh, Will's, a, Will's a coach, co- uh, coach's son, uh, and David just seems to be a, a very intelligent uh, football player as far as that goes. Uh, and, you know, with David having the, the quarterback background, he can see things that other wide receivers uh, really just don't see. He can kind of call out coverage a little bit better. So you get the two of them working together. It, it's been a great tandem so far. And obviously everyone here in Morgantown hoping they can continue that, especially this weekend. Yeah, I'd say it's, it's good to have a strong relationship between your quarterback and wide receiver. Uh, OSU fans see it all the time with, with Mason Rudolph and James Washington. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's been developing since, I mean, 
at least last year, not the year before that. So you know, it's always fun to watch two guys on the field that play well together continue to uh, to excel. So tell me a little bit about Wilger. I remember when he was at Florida and left. Um, that Florida team started off really well until he was suspended. Uh, how mm-hmm. much credit does West Virginia's success so far this year go to him? You know, a lot of it definitely goes to him. He seems to be a very calming presence. Uh, in the huddle and on the field, he's a guy that really doesn't seem to get rattled. And I think someone asked him uh, two weeks ago after the uh, comeback win WVU had over Texas Tech, you know, if he ever got rattled in that game. And he said, you know, uh, he's just a guy that doesn't get rattled a whole lot. Uh, he seems to be uh, very, uh, very wise and experienced for a quarterback that's only started, I guess it's a combined 12 games at the collegiate level. Uh, he seems to be pretty polished in that regard. And uh, he's definitely got a good presence on the field. He's a guy that can be mobile when he needs to be. He does a good job of sliding uh, or knowing when to get down. Dina, uh, the head coach of the Mountaineers, said his sliding technique isn't the greatest, but uh, they're working on that this year. But you know, Will, Will definitely deserves a lot of credit for getting this Mountaineer team to where it's been because with the defense not being as great this year for WVU, the offense has had a lot of pressure on it. And so far the, the offense has risen to the occasion more times than not. Okay. You talked about the Texas Tech game. Uh, going back to it, you could look at the, the, the Baylor game and even the Kansas game. West Virginia has had points in games that they seem to have been really inconsistent. Suddenly the offense and defense both disappears. Mm-hmm. What, is, what is causing that? What do you guys think is causing that? It, it can be a, a combination of things. You know, after the, to go back to the start of the year, the uh, Virginia Tech game is a lot of new pieces coming together. Then the next two weeks, they played much lesser opponents in, in uh, Delaware State and East Carolina. So the, the football team, they only had to play about the first half. Then after that, you played Kansas, which, albeit it's a Big 12 opponent, but it, it's a lesser opponent still. Um, you know, they still only, you kind of go into that game thinking you've only got to play a really good half, and then Kansas is out of it. Well, what happened was Kansas came out in the third quarter, started playing well, and it took a little bit of time for the Mountaineers to kind of jumpstart themselves back up. So that's been one thing, just the kind of inability to start, whether it's the first half or the second half, uh, off great. They've been slow starting at times. And then the other thing, at least as, as of late, has been the running game. Just has not been there for the Mountaineers. Justin Crawford, uh, the lead back, seems to be a little bit banged up uh, or a little bit tired. And then the, the running game behind him with Kennedy McCoy and Martel Petaway just hasn't blossomed, I think, in the way that a lot of the Mountaineers had hoped it would. Um, and, and some of that also comes with a young offensive line that's just not getting a lot of push. I, I want to talk about the run game just for a second. What, is the offensive line the issue, or, or is there some other reason that, that, the, that the running game is struggling? Um, I, you know, I, I don't want to put all the blame on the offensive line. I, I think what a lot of at least not your fans are seeing is how important last year's center Tyler Orlowski was to this to this group. Because uh, last year's offensive line was also kind of young to a degree, uh, had, a, had a major injury that caused it to be a little bit younger than it should have. So you, you miss a guy like Tyler Orlowski who, who graduated after last season, and you see the presence that he had in his time here at WVU. So the offensive line definitely, um, you know, they haven't been great this year. I think they've been getting better a little bit each week. Um, and then some of the two, I think, does come down to 
uh, to a degree play calling. It seems like Justin Crawford is a back that normally gets off to a pretty good start in the game. He'll have one or two rushes where you know, he, he ropes off 10, 13 yards, something like that. And then they, the Mountaineers seem to go away from him a little bit. So it's been interesting to see the, the running game plan this year with new offensive coordinator Jake Spavadol. To a degree, it still seems like they're getting some of the uh, kinks worked out in that regard. Um, so, so the running game is a combination of things. Uh, it's, it's the offensive line not being great. It's, it's some shortcomings by Crawford and Petaway and McCoy. And, and then it's also Spavadol still, I think, learning a little bit of what he's truly got in the backfield there. I'll say this, um, my question, taking Crawford, uh, Sills, and Greer aside, um, who is the one player on the offense that OSU fans may not know that they should keep an eye on heading into the game? I would say it's probably uh, one or two of the other wide receivers between Marcus Sims and Gary Jennings. Gary Jennings has been a very good pass catcher this year for the Mountaineers. I think he's third in the uh, Big 12, I want to say, and catches with, uh, he's up over 50, I believe. So he, he's been really good. He's more of an intermediate uh, route runner. He's not going to go deep on you. But that's the uh, that's the difference between he and Marcus Sims. Marcus Sims is a guy that he's going to be a big play threat, kind of stretch the defense out over top. And if uh, Greer can really get hooked up with him maybe once or twice uh, in this game, that, that would be big, I think, for the Mountaineers to be able to move that Oklahoma State defense back because I know talking with um, Dick Spavadol on Tuesday, he said that the uh, Cowboys defense really likes to keep everything in front of them. Obviously, most defenses do, but they've done a really good job of that this year. So Marcus Sims is going to be the guy that really try to stretch the field for WVO. Okay. Uh, going to the other side of the ball, uh, obviously Western News had some issues on defense. Um, more importantly, Texas and TCU have kind of shown – a uh, formula for slowing down Oklahoma State's offense. Um, it, you would expect West Virginia would do the same thing. You'd expect every Big 12 team would do the same thing here on out. The question is, do you think West Virginia has the personnel to play a similar style of defense against OSU as what Texas did last week? It, it's going to be tough. But the, the biggest thing for a lot of teams um, is being able to get good push up front. That's something that up until last week, West Virginia really had not been able to do. You know, the, the front three, because the WVU plays a um, more like a 3-5, three, 3 base defense. Um, so the, the front three for West Virginia just hasn't been getting a lot of push, really, on both sides of the ball. It, it, they've kind of been the same in that regard. So, But then last week, the Mountaineers were able to get some push against Baylor. So if they can continue that this week against Oklahoma State, then I think that helps out the rest of the defense personnel-wise, being able to do something similar excuse me, to what the likes of Texas and TCU were able to do the last couple of weeks to Oklahoma State. But if if West Virginia can't get guys like Lamont uh, McDougal and Adam Schuler up front going, especially early on in the game, then it might get a little difficult. Because they do have good defensive players, you know, off the line of scrimmage. So with Kaiser White, uh, David Long, Al Rashid Benton, a couple of guys just to mention there, they've got good players off the ball. It's just how much pressure they can get, how much, uh, how rattled they can kind of make Mason Rudolph early on in the ball game. Uh, you mentioned a couple of guys. Uh, OSU's offensive line is a little beat up. So if there's one defensive lineman uh, you think can really cause some problems, which one is it? I think Lamont McDougal is a freshman that you know coming into the season really was not pegged to get a whole lot of playing time. He's just really 
uh, worked hard throughout uh, throughout fall camp and has kind of bolstered his way into the starting lineup uh, for the last couple games, starting, I believe, with that Kansas game was his first start. And he's just been doing a really good job at getting production. Last week he had a couple uh, stops in the backfield, and he was a, a big part of holding uh, Baylor uh, late in that game. And Baylor ended up scoring. They could have scored a whole lot quicker. The Bears could have if Lamont McDougal's not there up front. So he's the guy that if you're going to see one or two of those defensive linemen get through, he's going to be the one that's likely going to be the one to do it. Uh, tell me a little bit about West Virginia's secondary. Obviously, OSU's got some talented receivers. We throw the ball a lot and throw it deep. Um, if there's one guy in the secondary who could maybe cause trouble for James Washington or Marcel Aitman, who is that? Uh, the, the guy in the secondary likely is going to be Kaiser White. He, he's a guy that can play all over the field. You'll see him line up right side, middle, left side. He does a little bit of everything. Um, he's got a couple interceptions this year, had a crucial one late in the ball game against Texas Tech to kind of preserve that win um, between Kaiser White and then I'd say Mike Daniels would be the other one. He's Mike Daniels has had some bad luck this year. A couple times this season, he's covering a guy about as as well as you can, and the the wide receiver he's covering just is a little bit taller, a little bit better jumper, and just jumps right over him. So Mike Daniels good in coverage. It's just some bad luck on the other end, but definitely Kaiser and Mike Daniels the two to watch out for in the secondary. Uh, so OSU fans all pretty – I think we all fondly look back on our one season with uh, Holgie. How do you guys uh, feel about Holgerson? Like, are you guys still fond of him? Are fans, are, are fans excited to still have him? Is there any concern with him? Um, I, I don't think there's any concern, to be honest with you. I think uh, there was definitely some growing pains when he first got here, but I think any program has that when you get a new coach and, and you change conferences as well. So there was, there was two things going against WVU kind of right at the, right at the turn of you know, the 2012 season. But, you know, he's definitely got his guys in. Uh, Dana and, and the programs had really good success recruiting JUCO players over the last couple of years. We, uh, WVU's done really well with that. So now I think that you see uh, – you, you really see a good foundation with WVU. You see Dana getting some of his players – uh, and the production on the field. I mean, a 10-win season last year, uh, the possibility still of a 10- or 9-win season this year is still very much in play. So, I mean, kind of kind of going back to the old saying, uh, winning takes care of everything. That's kind of what, what's happened, I would say. But it definitely, I mean, no one no one that actually is really paying attention is, I'd say, is upset with Dana and his coaching staff. Uh, I, I'm sorry to ask this, but I, I have to. This is the first time I've ever had a chance to interview a West Virginia fan. Uh, are the couch burning jokes overstated, or do you guys really burn that many couches? So that is, has um, that has kind of been down uh, or pushed down, I should say. Let's put it that way. That's been pushed down by the university because uh, a lot of that used to take place in a section of Morgantown called Sunnyside, uh, but now the university and Morgantown they've kind of redeveloped Sunnyside. They've got some newer buildings. Up there, so now the couch burning has kind of went away a little bit. However, I will say, if WVU does end up winning on Saturday, yes, you will see some couches burn. I can, I can almost guarantee that. <laughs> okay, hey, you know, there's nothing like a good victory couch burning or exactly for that. Yeah. Any any excuse to to light a fire is uh, is always fun. So, what is I'll ask you this: What is your prediction for for Saturday? Well. 
you know, the prediction before the season was that Oklahoma State was going to kind of run rampant over uh, was going to kind of run rampant over WVU. I think that's changed a little bit, especially with as you mentioned, uh, Oklahoma State's offensive line being a little depleted with some injuries. That gives WVU a chance, and obviously with Will Greer and David Stills, that connection has been great this year. I still think Oklahoma State wins this ball game. Uh, I think it'll be a close game at first, and then Oklahoma State probably pulls away late just because. They've got a little bit more veteran leaders. Mason Rudolph's obviously been in that program forever. Mike Gundy's got a great system established there. So I think Oklahoma State probably pulls away late. Uh, High-scoring game, I'm going to say there's not a lot of defense plays. It's a true Big 12 game on Saturday. Uh, If you want to score, I'll say um, I'll go 56-42. Wow. See, that sounds like a Texas Tech-Oklahoma State score, not a West Virginia-Oklahoma State score. (laughs) I'll say this, coming into the season, uh, when I had to work on the schedule, West Virginia was the game I circled as the, if we're going to go, if we're only going to lose one game, that was the one that scared me the most outside. Really? There's just something about Morgantown. It's, it's, it's out there from the rest of the conference. Um, mm-hmm. You guys are a wild fan base. Uh, there's just something about that stadium that just feels like a hard place to go and win. It always, it always makes me nervous. Um, and they, it always has felt like a pretty close series, even though, I mean, I know last year was a fairly solid win for Oklahoma State, but it, it's always felt like a really close series between the two teams. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are two teams that obviously get a lot of familiarity with the two coaching staffs. Um, you know, some players have, have gone on from one side to the other in the past to be like GAs or assistant coaches. So, yeah, definitely it's a – it's a series that's been fun to watch. I know, I, I guess what, I think WVU's went there and won once, and I think Oklahoma State's come to Morgantown and won once, if I'm not mistaken. So it's been even throughout. It's been fun to watch for sure. Yeah, you guys won in Stillwater in 2014, and then uh, we had that 2015 weird overtime win. That was a, Right, yep. That was a wild one. Yeah, that, that was more frustrating than anything else. <laughs> it was an interesting game. Yeah, that, that was frustrating on our side, too. That was a game that uh, I was sitting up at the press box for that game, and it, it was a night game in Morgantown, straight to the stadium, and the uh, the fans did this thing with the flashlights on their phone. I've never seen this before, and I, I can tell you the press box shut down for a good five minutes because we had, obviously we're cut off from the fans. We had no idea what was going on. We were just watching this kind of amazed what, what was happening. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I'm I'm glad that you're confident that OSU will win this weekend because I'm I'm still fairly nervous. So uh, I think it'll be a good one though. I do. I I don't think this will be a blowout either way. I think it's uh, whoever wins does so by less than a touchdown. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll I'll definitely take the good game over what I said. So that, that works for me. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love your outcome. That would make me <laughs> after last week. That would, my heart could use a, a break. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, Ryan, are you? I assume you're going to the game this weekend then? Yep, I'll be up in the press box for the game covering it for uh, West Virginia Illustrated. All right, well, in, enjoy it, sir, uh, the 11 a.m. kickoff. Yeah, yeah, early kickoff like, like they all seem to be here in Morgantown. Oh, trust me, I, I, we haven't had a 7 p.m. kickoff in Stillwater since 2015, so. Oh, jeez. Well, let me rephrase that, a non- a Saturday 7 p.m. kickoff. We had a Friday or Thursday night game, so that doesn't. Okay. Count. So, yeah, we feel you. <laughs>
Well, enjoy the weekend and enjoy the game. And, Ryan, thanks for talking to me, sir. All right. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.